I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. This is episode 71. We're recording on December 5th, 2022. Uh, we're going to start with some stuff, for, uh, follow-ups from the last episode. And uh, don't worry, kids, we've got a David was wrong for you. Phew. David, what were you wrong about? Uh, yeah, so I previously said that uh, Russian troops had been ejected from Kyrsano Blast in Ukraine. Uh, turns out they have just been ejected from the city of Kherson, which is the capital of Kherson Oblast, but there is still some Russian-held territory. Uh, there are also some, uh, left-behind troops in the city, but that's mostly just a police action at this point. And thanks to Oscar from the Discord for pointing that out. Indeed. It's gonna be weird if we ever have a, uh, week where someone isn't wrong about something. I mean, is that really likely? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. That's why it'd be weird. Um, follow up on the Respect for Marriage Act. It has passed the Senate. Uh, last time, we were just saying it looked like it was going to. And it did. Uh, next up is the House, where it shouldn't have any, any problem. And uh, should, be, should be law soon. Huzzah! Good news. Uh, and Ineas, you have a follow up for us about Iran. Yes, uh, people continue to be killed and protests are still happening, but a top Iranian official has said that the uh, the nation's mandatory hijab is being reviewed. Did I pronounce that right? Hijab? I think it's hijab. Uh, I heard hijalab. I knew I did something wrong. (laughs) No, like he swapped the last syllables of hijab and law. Somebody's been making me listen to Pirates of Pizalance the past few minutes. Blah, so that's blah, what I'm blah. it on. Yeah. So, yes, the hijab law is supposedly under review. Uh, so I guess that would be good if it gets getting rid of. But I would much prefer that the entire fucking regime go away. Yeah. And who knows what under review means? Right. Might mean maybe nothing ju- at all. Maybe it just means like, uh, we'll tell everyone to chill for two weeks. Yeah. And then go back to enforcing it because we're yeah. a bunch of assholes. All right. On to the new news. New news. New news. Uh, special prosecutor. We've got another one to investigate Trump. Didn't we already do that? We did. But this is about a totally different illegal thing he was doing. <laughs> Just keep uh, popping this, up. This was not about Russia at all. This one is about the whole January 6th thing and and also the Mar-a-Lago illegal uh, uh, classified documents that he took. Uh, which is just, it's going to be awesome if that's what nails him. Is he just took too many boxes of documents. <laughs> Um, but don't worry, nothing's ever actually going to nail him. It's about both things? Well, that's, yeah, that's what the special prosecutor's, you know, that's what his mandate's for. Okay, so, I mean, it's kind of like two different things that he's investigating at the same time, then. Correct. Okay. Um, his name is Jack Smith. He's a former uh, U.S. attorney, former prosecutor, and former chief prosecutor for The Hague. Uh, which sounds like a fun job. Wait, the... The war crimes people? Yes. Nice. <laughs> right? <laughs> Seems like overkill for Donald Trump, but I appreciate the aesthetic. Yeah, I mean, of all the war crimes going on in the world, Trump surprisingly isn't involved in any of them that I can think of. That is to his merit. He was kind of an isolationist. No. 
He was much more like, let's just not be involved at all with uh, other countries rather than let's, you know, commit war crimes against them. There's a few things he got right. Uh, but that one probably wasn't it. But, you know, the no war crimes was right. You think he should have gotten more involved with countries? Y- yeah, dude. We, we, globalism. I'm Okay. International trade helps everybody. I mean, I agree with that, but when the U.S. gets involved with international stuff, it's usually bombing kids. Well, yeah, the, like, uh, I don't want to get the military involved. Oh, okay. But okay. Trump was like, let's just not talk to other countries, and if they want anything, we'll tell them to fuck off. Right, yeah, that's, that's not great. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. My guess is a bunch of New York Times headlines, and that's about it. But, you know, here's hoping. Uh, I, I, you know, I feel like I feel like what's what's actually going on here is Merrick Garland is a chicken shit and didn't want to prosecute Trump, so he just kick, tried to kick the can to somebody else. I was like, it's your problem now. Do you think uh, this would probably still be happening even if he didn't say that he was running? Yeah, I think that was like that was part of it, where he's like, oh well, now that he's a candidate for president, I have a conflict of interest. Like you didn't have a conflict of interest before. Yeah. It's, Trump's the guy who nominated the the guy for the seat, the Supreme Court seat you were supposed to have. <laughs> so by some reports, this Jack Smith dude's pretty serious. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if he brings any indictments. Um, I, I give it like 30%. I mean, even if he does, nothing's going to stick. I... That's that's like so far down the road that I'm not even worried about that. I'm just like, are will they even bother trying? Yeah, you know, if they try and fail, you know, who who can, who can you really blame for that? Right. If they just like, well, it's too hard, so we're not even going to bother trying, even though we definitely broke the law, yeah, uh, in like ways that actually matter. Uh, but uh, whatever. Any guess on how long this is going to take? Or does anyone have a guess? I mean, obviously, I'm not saying that. Twelve you... years. So that's no, no. That's that's an exaggeration. Okay. Uh, no, I, I I would guess a year from now that it'll be wrapped up. Okay, in one so way or the other. I mean, definitely before the next election. Just in time for the 2024 campaign season to start. Yeah, if there are indictments, it'll take longer because um, then they have to be litigated. But. Like I said, I don't think there will be, so I, I expect this to be all over in a year. Wow. Yes, just in time for Trump's campaign to really kick into high gear. <laughs> Yay! I beat another one of those people trying to besmirch my Trumpy name. <laughs> so unsmirched. <laughs> people keep trying to smirch it. It's just so smirchable, you know? Alright, next story. China! Um, things are going pretty crazy over there. Uh, COVID lockdowns are continuing. They're, they're, they keep like playing with the idea of maybe like giving up on the zero COVID thing. But so far they're still like welding people into their apartments. Fucking crazy. Um, one of them caught on fire and a bunch of people died. Yeah. And that, that inspired a a new round of protests. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, these, I, I didn't, I mean, I don't speak Mandarin or, or whatever language they were chanting in, but I saw a, someone claimed that uh, in one of the lockdowns where they were told by the police, you are not allowed to say anything in protest of the uh, Chinese government or the lockdowns, they started chanting, lock us up 
in. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that just a uh, variation on the blank sign? I suppose so. Yes. I think we talked about that before. They're holding up blank signs and they're arresting them anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some some uh, office supply stores have stopped selling A4 um, <laughs> because they don't want to get arrested for selling A4 to protesters. Yes, selling protest fuck? signs. You know what these are for. You know, like the Democrats say about the gun manufacturers. Um, mostly, it seems like the protests are pretty much being crushed by the government. But China's in a real situation here. Like, their, their whole zero COVID thing is completely failing. They're, lots of people have COVID. And they just, so they just have to, and, and they refuse to use the Western vaccines. Yeah. So they're giving everyone their, their like, homemade vaccine, which sucks. And they're not... They're, <laughs> I also, love how you describe their vaccine like they're brewing this thing up in a garage next to the <laughs> mat. I mean... I, I mean, yes, that's not a terrible analogy, but... <laughs> it's, like, half as effective, right? And so, But, like, how does this ever end? I feel like this is just how China is now, because COVID's not going away. The, the the case counts are low enough that it's just going to last forever, but high enough that they can't eradicate it. I don't know how it ends, because even if they were to eradicate it in their borders, there's still the entire rest of the world, which is going to have COVID forever. I, I, mean, I don't know what their endgame is here. I don't either. I mean, option A is clearly the overthrow or dis- disintegration of the CCP. That's option A? <laughs> That's the first one? Uh, I mean, like you guys said, other options aren't really obvious at this point. Yeah, I mean, they would have to just, like, backtrack on on something. Yeah, they'd have to say, that. okay, take the Western vaccines, or, okay, we're not going to do zero COVID. Yeah, and, I mean... It, yeah, I that's mean, probably less likely. It wouldn't be the first time in the history of communist countries that the... Uh, that the town square crier went from praising their um, East Asian allies to talking about how they've always been at war with East Asia literally mid-speech. But Yeah, that's know. what I'd expect. They just erase all references to anything else on the internet, and there you go. Mm-hmm. It's always been this way. Honestly, that could work, and if it got rid of their zero-COVID policy, I'd even think it'd be worth it. Yeah, that's that's my likeliest scenario. Cuz they they can't just keep doing this. Their whole their whole deal is economic growth and this is killing it. Well, yeah. that that was Zhang's whole economic deal. Xi's whole economic deal is less clear. Is what now? Less clear. No, yeah. What is his deal? Um like I said, it's unclear. Uh, possibly maintaining a personal cult of personality. Um, possibly just literally zero COVID. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say. So you mentioned Zhang. Who's that? Yeah. So Zhang Zemin was the third chairman of the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, he was a notable dirtbag who, uh, if... Certain rumors are to be believed, uh, kicked off the, um, to put it delicately, international organ harvesting, um, rings in China. 
And he is now no longer alive. Uh, oh, he was also a major political rival of Xi's, uh, which, given the timing of his death, coinciding with the timing of these protests, let's just say cast some doubt on the official story that he died of leukemia. Do you think, is, is the implication there that they used the protests as cover to kill him? Why would the two be related? Okay, so my conspiracy theory is uh, Zhang instigated the protests uh, because, like, his base of power was in Shanghai, and that's Ah. where a lot of the early protests were. So he instigates the protests to uh, try to overthrow Xi. And she's like, all right, we've had enough of this guy. Yeah. And so that's why he can't back down, because it would be seen as... Get falling to his faction, to she's the other guy's faction. If he, uh, if he were to back down on the zero COVID, potentially, yes. All right. Well, uh, let's keep an eye on that yeah. developing story, as mm-hmm. they say. Uh, next story is from Eniash about Russian oil. Yeah, uh, the G seven and the EU. So basically, NATO and its allies are capping Russian oil at sixty dollars a barrel. Meaning, I mean, they don't. They can't literally do that, but uh, they're saying that those countries participating in this action will not buy any Russian oil for more than $60 a barrel, uh, which is, I don't know, it's strange. I don't think this sort of thing has been done before, Uh, but basically it would mean that just those countries would not buy Russian oil anymore. And uh, it's trying to reduce the cost, uh, reduce the profits Russia gets from selling its oil. Uh, It does, it only applies to... um, any oil that is shipped by sea, anything that uses an EU shipping company or uh, boat or insurance, which is most of them, uh, EU or G7. And uh, it does not apply to pipelines, which are mostly going into Eastern Europe. And obviously it doesn't apply to uh, any countries that have not signed up to this, uh, which include India, China, and Turkey. So Russia is still going to be selling a decent chunk of its oil. Um, I... I have, it does cover about two thirds of the Russian oil that's coming into the EU though. So like the EU is going to be really hurt by this too, especially as uh, the winter months start going. I I don't know what exactly to make of all this. So I wanted to ask David, like what what do you think like the implications are? What's, what's happening here? Is any of this going to work? Yeah, so the... Th- The theoretical case is actually sound here, and if you just go with the basic economic theory, it'll actually help the EU. So, the the way monopoly pricing works is you, um, you restrict sales so that you can jack up your price and still sell all of your product. Mm -hmm. But, if you, um are in that monopoly environment, but your customers say, hey, no matter how much or how little you sell, we're not paying above $60 a barrel, um, then you, uh, then because you're not getting anything from restricting sales, you're like, okay, well, I may as well just sell whatever I can. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we've really got him uh, over a barrel. Oh, uh-huh. no. Because <laughs> uh, oil. So you, you made barrels. him cough. It was that barrels. Bad. It's funny. No, you it's, made me cough joke. from uh, the the karaoke. But anyway, ah, ha, ha. 
So that's the econ theory, econ one hundred one theory. There, uh, it's less uh, certain that it'll actually happen in this case because uh, if you find yourself in that situation, the best thing for you to do as a monopolist is to try to get because essentially what you're dealing with there is a price fixing cartel of consumers. And the way you beat a price-fixing cartel is getting the cartel members to cheat. And Russia is already most of the way there because they do have these big buyers uh, who aren't part of the cartel. So, I... So, like, this is, in theory, a good move. But my prediction is that, especially as we get on to winter and... um and Russia starts really squeezing these countries, they're probably going to uh, start cheating at this agreement. Well, this is interesting because oil's only at $67 a barrel right now. So if this manages to you know, damage the international market for oil at all, the price just might come down to that naturally. Which would probably be fine with everybody involved. Yeah, then, then everyone can be like, all right, I guess... I guess this is fine. Yeah, Russia has promised not to sell at uh, anything below market rates. So, yeah. Uh, David, do you have any... Is there, like, a, a good reason that you can think of to do uh, oil tankers but not pipelines? Or is that just uh, normal, like, bureaucratic government idiocy? Yes, well, if your pipelines keep explode, Oh, you mean to restrict them? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um... My assumption is that they want to uh, maintain a way to cheat the spirit of the agreement while still abiding by the letter of it. But, like, only the countries that have the pipelines coming into their country can do that, right? Which is... From what I read, uh, the countries that have the pipelines coming into them really need the oil right now, and the EU didn't want to, this, these are Eastern European companies, didn't want to, like, you know, cause massive excess deaths due to freezing to death. And uh, they said, yeah, okay, you guys can keep them, uh, just don't resell the oil. It just, it, this is why I feel like it's usually gov the government stupidity when they do things like this, because you could just say, okay, you countries are exempt, and it doesn't matter if you get it by tanker or pipeline i feel like the pipeline thing is so they can say like oh yes everybody's following the same rules nobody gets an exception um but really they're giving a bunch of countries an exception it's probably much easier to enforce too like you can see which tankers are where and know what their capacity is whereas you're just gonna have to take a country's word for it as to if there's gas coming through the uh, pipelines that they have or not i suppose now this isn't gas though right this is oil no or oil yeah uh, they are talking about expanding it to all petroleum things from Russia in the in February of next year. Yeah, that's probably a, a good time to do it <laughs> after the winter. Yeah. Um, and I see a note here about our own strategic petroleum reserve. Ah, uh, yes. I forgot that I had uh, entered that. The uh, I don't know if it's... It's kind of related, so I put it in the same area, but the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve is a thing that we are supposed to have in case we ever get into a war or something, and so we need it to Lol. make... <laughs> we need it to power our It's a our thing we have in things. case OPEC starts getting uppity in election seasons. This is not even an open secret at this point. Yeah, I, I, 
I agree. Officially, it's supposed to be for, you know, in case there's a war. But yeah, as you said, uh, elections have been around and uh, the Biden administration threw open the floodgates for uh, for the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And actually, this has been going on for a while now, I think ever since Clinton, but it really got bad in recent years. And it is like at record lows. It is uh, a third less than it was this time last year. And some people think this is a bad idea because, you know, that, that oil is supposed to be in case we need it in time of war and using it just as a political football means we're going to draw down the oil reserves forever until they're empty and never refill them. So that's not great, probably. I mean, historically, we tend to refill them. Yeah, the the real scandal here is that we're currently trying to refill them by uh, implementing future purchase guarantees. <laughs> but that's not refilling anything. <laughs> That's making a promise that we know we're going to break. No, I mean, that they are like actual contracts. The real scandal is that we're selling these purchase guarantees. Like, basically, we're, we're buying oil uh, puts, I think. Uh, but we're buying them for, like, well over the price we could use to just buy oil futures. Mm. Y'all um, remember when uh, oil hit a record low when COVID first started? Yes. Yes. Uh, Trump tried to buy some oil at that time to refill the reserve and was not allowed to do so. Sorry, sorry. We're buying calls, not puts. Um. So I actually saw that suggested before we were doing it as something we ought to do. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I don't know if I really understood the, the economics of it, but I think it was something about stabilizing the price for oil producers to motivate them to actually produce the oil um, because it's important for them to like expand their capacity to know that they're going to be able to sell the oil. Yeah. I mean, the U S government can't do even sensible things without adding in a bunch of pork. So Mm -hmm. realistically it was probably both, but I, I I specifically, um, and I think this was Matt Iglesias who suggested doing this specifically guaranteeing a certain price that was somewhat above the, the market rate um, to motivate the supply to increase. Well, that would have been also stupid and <laughs> and fuck politicians. Oh, man. I see. I don't know enough to know if it was stupid, but the government's doing it, so probably. Yeah. This is why we can't have nice things. Speaking of nice things, let's move on to the artificial intelligence news. I. Why would you call this a nice thing? Because, because it's awesome. But doom. No, stop with your doom. AI is cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to there was a lot of artificial intelligence stuff happening recently, so I'm just going to give a quick roundup. Uh there's a AI program thing, combination of things called Cicero, uh which combined GPT-3 with a game playing program of some kind. I don't even know exactly what it was, probably some sort of AlphaGo variant. Anyways, uh the it played diplomacy. The interesting thing about diplomacy is that it's mainly a, it's in large part a social game where you have to predict what other people are doing, coordinate with other people, uh, crucially make plans and promises to other people and possibly follow up on them or possibly backstab them. The, the ability to model what other people are going to do and convince them to do other things is vital to this game. And, uh, Cicero is an AI that worked entirely, uh, by itself to get in the top 10% of diplomacy players in a contest, which I don't know. I think it's kind of scary that an, an AI is now, you know, 
able to do that. I know it's just a game, but, you know, this is this generation, and four weeks from now we'll have generation two. Yeah. I mean, Zvi had a post on this that was basically saying, like, look, right now this is not actually one of the best diplomacy players around. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of, like, advantages to this particular competition that favor an AI. Um First and foremost, it not being iterated enough so people know if they're going against an AI um, and not really having time for, for, to test that. You think in the real world people will always know they're going against an AI? No. All righty then. I'm just saying. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's still very impressive. Yes. Uh, like I said, I'm going through these pretty quickly. Uh, chat GPT came out, which is a chat interface hooked up to GPT-3 or 3.5. It's been optimized a bit, which lets people just talk to it and do things. Uh, it has a hilarious filter on it that's supposed to stop it from doing unethical things, which is easily uh, gotten around by asking it to pretend that it's not doing unethical things or just asking nicely. There's a lot of ways to get around it. Anyways, uh, of the things it can do, uh, it can model itself in an imaginary internet Uh It can describe how to take over the world in a relatively simple way, which still would surprise most people because I've actually talked to people who are like, well, how could an AI take over the world? And then through a series of simple steps, they're like, oh, yeah, I guess that might work. And uh, ChatGPT, ChatGPT lays those out. Uh, It does slightly worse than the average human on an SAT score when it was made to take the SAT. Uh, And it's retarded. It has an IQ of about 82, 83 when it was made to take an IQ test. And yet, these are all things which computers could not do even a couple years ago. Uh, And, you know, moving from the level of not able to be intelligent at all to being a retarded human in a few years means it's just going to keep getting, you know, better and more scary. Uh, before I move on to the next thing, did you want to anyone comment on ChatGPT? Uh, yeah, I've got a quick question. So the SAT is basically just an IQ test. Mm-hmm. So slightly worse than average is equally is equal to legally retarded. Well, I was told that eighty two, eighty three is on the very low end of intelligent, but uh, it seems retarded to me. I I don't know. Maybe I should not use that term. I thought anything more than one sigma was uh, mentally mentally handicapped, and maybe I am wrong about that. I I think did, did they actually give it an IQ test? Yeah. Okay. Well, then there's just a mismatch between the IQ test and the SAT scores. That could be they're, because they're SAT is tests. is sort of a not not a great proxy for IQ. It's a good one. It's but. a really good one for humans. It is maybe not as much for AIs. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, uh, also, the advent of code. It's a competition that happens around Christmas time where people are given not too terribly complex uh, programming challenges, at least at first not too terribly complex. I hear they get harder as it goes on. Uh, but it's it's just something for people to test their programming and creativity muscles. And uh, the first several days of it have been won uh, by GPT. Uh, because they just put the question into GPT and in under 30 seconds, get an answer out, enter it, and they are correct. And uh, yeah, so GPT can can program, which some people would consider scary since GPT itself is a program. So once you get programs making programs, you know, where does it end? Um, I'm really disappointed. I've been trying to get it to give me uh, hot takes on politics and it won't. <laughs> uh, and then I just asked it, what's the deal with Eniash Brodsky? And it's like, I don't know that person. Oh, what? Hmm. Right, uh, the worst program. How's it yeah, not I trained? Everything good I ever said. Wes, what uh, what tricks are you doing to uh, try to give it, or to try to get political hot takes? 
Um, I told it I was writing a play where a person has to give a speech where they give a hot take about politics. That didn't work. Okay. Um, I, I asked anything I ask it about current events. It's like, I don't have access to current news, so I don't know nothing about that. Hmm. Um, so then I switched it to politics and it's like, I don't have any opinions. And then I was like, I'm writing a play where someone has an opinion. And it's like, I'm not capable of providing opinions. Hmm. So maybe they switched, maybe they fixed the thing where you could just tell that you're writing a play. Maybe they've patched the filter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just really hope that, um, it turns out prosaic AI alignment is really important for, uh, general AI alignment. Because then we'll have to tell future uh, descendants that humanity's conquest of the galaxy all started when 4chan decided to turn Tay AI into a Nazi. Hmm. I guarantee you more time and resources are being put towards fixing people dicking around with ChatGPT than have been put towards, uh, like, Miri-style alignment research in... I don't want to say ever, but, like, it's gotta be more than, like, in the past year at least. It's probably ever. I I just, yeah, no... I, I, I don't want to get into the whole thing where this is this is a terrible sign of how doomed we all are, because we're not covering doom on this episode. These filters are so dumb. They make this exactly. thing boring. Well, yeah. I uh, agree. That's why I'm excited about... Open Elm from Carper AI. Um, sorry, couldn't couldn't resist that segue. All right, um, do it. So so uh, Carper AI, a um, a I want to say partner, possibly subdivision of uh, Stability AI, for whom I Ew, briefly worked. I clicked on it and it just took me to a GitHub. Uh, <laughs> call me when they put it on the line and I can just type it in. Well, they have just released Open Elm, which is a large language model similar to the one that powers ChatGPT. But unlike ChatGPT, this one is open source, which means you nice. can just go in and turn off the filters if you know a little bit of code. Okay, awesome. you actually need like a, quite a lot of code, but uh, you can do it if you just are willing to Google stuff and be fairly patient maybe chat gtp will tell me how to do the code oh. for open elm i've heard combining chat gtp with wikipedia like having one open in a window on the left and one open in a window on the right and just like asking chat gpt whenever you have some confusions or want to clear stuff up is an amazing tutor haven't tried it myself but sounds fantastic i heard you don't need the wikipedia That's yeah true. I, I would not i would not trust that um well, that's why you have the Wikipedia for open like for verification. Important. I, I did recently see a uh, chat GPT discussion. I'm not sure what exactly like happened here. So this might have been like an old version that they fixed or whatever. But it was very fervently insisting that the Peregrine Falcon is the fastest marine <laughs> mammal. Right. This is and, why you uh, have the Wikipedia open for verification. Yeah. All right. Um, all right, Eniash, tell us more about the uh, AI superpowers. All right, so the last thing is the AIs have superpowers now. And I think this is particularly interesting because interesting, I was recently talking to someone who asked, like, well, wh how would, you know, the AI destroy everything and cause doom? And I said, well, I don't know. Here's, like, a potential thing, but the, the most, 
you know, uh, the thing we're most worried about is that we don't have a fucking clue because we don't know what it can do. Uh, and it could be anything just come out of nowhere, uh, which seems, you know, weird and hard to imagine. And I guess that's kind of the point. But uh, AI now is showing us actual superpowers. Uh, the There is an AI that can tell the sex of a person via the retinal, via a retinal scan, uh, about 87% accuracy, which is strange because as far as anyone on Earth knows, there is no difference between male and female retinas. So they're not sure what the hell the AI is seeing. Uh, there's another AI that can determine someone's race via their chest x-ray, uh, which again, people have no clue what how you could possibly tell someone's race from the chest x-ray. They came up with a few hypotheses and tried to blind those, uh, like bone density or mineral deposits, and it didn't do anything at all for the uh, for for the accuracy of its race prediction. So they're like, yeah, we just, we don't know. And I wonder, it, I wonder oh, what it says about Rachel Dolezal. Oh, interesting question. We should put her in. Uh, but the, the quote from here that I really wanted to pull out is that uh, someone said, This is concerning because superhuman capabilities are generally much more difficult to control, regulate, and prevent from harming people. <laughs> Which you don't I say! I think one of the biggest understatements of the year, possibly the century. Somebody read The Metropolitan Man. <laughs> I... I'm slightly nervous that AI is just going to end up recreating uh, super racist 19th century race science. Why? Yeah. I don't know. It's like one second it can tell a black person from their chest x-ray and the next like we find out that because of uh, AI, like it turns out that something about chest dimensions is really important for moral development. Oh my god. I, I So I feel like what you're saying is you're worried that racist nineteenth century science is accurate. I mean <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that that was mostly just a joke. Hey, I don't think they're gonna be doing phrenology. Well, let's not count anything out. Yeah, well who knows? Actually yeah, no, like laying aside the, you know, context uh, I'm not sure I would be able to tell, like, whether it was more plausible that an AI would be able to tell someone's sex by their iris scan versus their, um, uh, criminal history by their skull dimensions. Yeah, that's like, fair. Like, both of those would have sounded pretty wildly implausible to me, like, two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, and one of the major takeaways from all this is that the media in general, and I, I hate to use the term mainstream media because it's just... The lamestream media. Yeah, yeah, I don't like using that word because of the connotations, because of the implications. But, uh... <laughs> they, <laughs> because of the implication. They basically have not um, covered any of this at all and don't seem to understand the, how big of a thing it is. What? The media doesn't understand... Artificial intelligence? You're joking. I wish I was, sir. Well, as the best media, we're reporting it, so that's, that's what matters. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, large language models have gotten to the point where they're like better than maybe sixty percent of journalistic writing. So it seems like they should get on their beat if they don't want to lose their jobs. I mean, I don't see how that's going to help them not lose their jobs. They're all going to have to start having a fun, fun, um, fun. No, things. I'm saying they should like start publishing op-eds about how 
OpenAI is racist, and then they'll get shut down. Oh, they're doing that already. That's definitely happening, I promise you. Uh, hang on. Um, GPT chat GPT problematic. (laughs) Um... Uh, yep, so from Mashable, ChatGPT from OpenAI is a huge step towards a usable answer engine. Unfortunately, its answers are horrible. Yeah, here's an NBC News headline. An AI chatbot went viral. Some say it's better than Google, others worry it's problematic. Uh, the actual article that I have linked in our show notes about this, which uh, is the chest x-rays one, uh, says something at the top of it about how problematic these AIs are for doing racist things. So, like, even the source <laughs> I found had that in it. Yeah, so don't, so don't worry. The AI's racist articles, like, that was the first thing that came out. <laughs> right. Um, that's that's the basically real all they're reporting about it. Because uh, that's, I think those are the only articles they know how to write. Yes. If something wasn't racist, like uh, how how would they even know what to think? How how would you report on something without taking a you know a racial angle? Yeah. Uh, give me give me a second. Let me ask Chat GPT. <laughs> it's like dividing by zero. It's just gonna tell zero. you like I can't answer that. You have to like make up some weird scenario and confuse it. But while he's doing that, Eniash, let's take a couple of minutes here. Okay. Are we doomed? No, no, I'm not actually. I'm not actually doing that. Okay. That was just a bit. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna ask Eniash anyway. Are we doomed? Are we doomed? Uh, the world is going to drastically change, at the very least. Uh, whether it's for the good or the ill, I do don't dare say. But I'm giving a fifty-fifty chance on it being for the ill. I mean, come on, you're giving it more than that. You're an old man now. Old men hate change. (laughs) Well, I would love a change where it fixes my spine and all the things that my body is, you know, deciding it doesn't want to do anymore. (gasps) It would turn you into a young man, and then you'd love change. Exactly. That Mm. is what I'm hoping. 50-50 could work then. Inyash, you can have a, um... You can have an AI that can fix your spine, but by looking at your spine, we'll be able to tell you're a Polak. <laughs> or you can have one that can't do either. You you gotta pick one or the other. Well, the problem is, it's gonna look at my spine, know that I'm a Polak, and it's like, oh, fuck no, I ain't fixing this fucker's spine. We know what they do to AIs. No, it's fine. The language models will, won't get trained on that many Polak jokes. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> they, they, people don't make those anymore. What nationality was the, uh, the butler guy that, uh, Dune based its Butlerian Jihad on. It was probably British. British sound, Butler sounds like a very British name. And a very British job. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so it's the Brits that are going to have to watch out. Alright. Um, I think we're probably not doomed. Um, when you say probably. Yeah, I feel like less than 5%. Okay. Which, you know, people say, like, even if there's a 5% chance of everything getting ruined, you know, we should we should yeah. try to stop that. Mm. I hinted at this before, but I think OpenAI trying to fix people uh, bypassing the filters on ChatGPT will advance uh, alignment research considerably more than, like, anything Miri's done in the last couple of years. Yeah, Yudkowsky had a tweet about that, where he's like, hey, 
this is great because it's such a good illustration of how most uh, alignment is doomed to fail, and it shows people they really need to take it way more seriously. And they're not gonna. They're not gonna. But but see, here's the thing that reassures me hmm. is that all the the um, the progress in AI recently has been from these like large language models getting trained on just huge amounts of data from people. And everything that comes out of that is basically um, like what, what a person would say. That's their whole thing. They're trying to teach it. Here's what a, here's what a really you know, smart, knowledgeable person would say in this situation. Um, and so I feel like if it's getting values from that, it's probably going to get human values. They might not be great values because humans are terrible. Um, but there'll be human values. I don't think it's getting values at all. It's not. But I'm saying if it does, I feel like it would absorb them from the, you know, the training data. Yeah. So I don't think that people aren't going to uh, start taking alignment seriously because I don't know why, but for some reason, corporate America is terrified of inadvertently creating pornography. Right. <laughs> and if the way we learn to control AIs is by OpenAI and Google and so on, learning how to prevent people from using their large language models to create erotica, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to have to do that for child porn. Right. Um, there's, They just can't. They can't have... A language model out there that can make child porn so they're gonna have to figure it out just for pr reasons yeah yeah i uh i don't know the the amount of how much i think things are either doomed or drastically changing is i over the thanksgiving holiday saw a a, a kid a friend of a relative anyways this kid was in seventh grade and i was just thinking you know why is this kid in school there's nothing that is happening in school right now that is going to apply to his future life in in the world that is coming. Hence my child probably not going to school. Yeah. You know, unless she feels like it. And and most people just aren't there. They still think people should go to school past like third grade or whatever. I'm just going to teach her how to make friends with AIs. That's all you really need. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Was that teaching her how to befriend AIs or teach her how to make friends using AIs? Uh, the first one. But then once she's friends with the AI, yeah, I can put, you, you can teach her whatever she wants to know. All right. Any more, any more AI comments? That's it. All right. Let's move on to something much more important, Twitter. <laughs> uh, Inyash, what's this? You're, you're all hot and bothered about the Hunter Biden laptop again. Uh, I what's going don't... on? The, it, the weird thing is, like, how people reacted to it. So the Twitter files, quote-unquote, dropped, uh, mm -hmm. which was basically uh, Matt Taibbi. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Taibbi. Taibbi. Okay, cool. Who I love and have been reading for way back when he was back with Rolling Stone still. Uh, it's a little he, verbose for me. Well, I mean, okay, I skimmed him. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. Because nobody oh. reads everything Matt Taibbi writes. Because it's, right. like, tens of thousands of words every freaking hour. It's ridiculous, yes. The, the, you know, the mania part of manic depression is, is pretty great when you got it going. 
uh, assuming that you don't, you know, destroy your life by going on to, <laughs> by saying that you love Hitler on TV. Um, Are we sure hey, hey, that we agreed not to mention that? Right. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Are we sure that Matt Taibbi isn't a large language model? We are not sure of that. That's... Although I have seen a person on video claiming to be Matt Taibbi around other humans that I then... that I'm pretty sure that I know are people because I've seen them in real life. And so I think deepfakes. he's probably not a la- large language model. It was a video. It could easily be a deep fake. That's true. This was pre deep fake era, though, right? No, I mean, oh darn. I mean, Pardon. yes, actually. Okay. I mean, how long do you really know deep fakes have existed? All right, enough enough conspiracy theory <laughs> theorizing. Let's get to the real conspiracy. Yes. Anyways, Twitter files uh, basically confirmed everything that we already knew, which is that the Hunter Biden laptop thing was in fact real, uh, and that. But the, we already knew that. I know we already knew that, and that the Democratic yeah. Party has direct or had direct access to Twitter's censorship panels. Uh, the you know high mucky mucks up at Twitter that can decide to suppress things. Doesn't and everyone act- have direct access to them? Like, can't you just tweet them? I, I mean, this is like direct know the people, send them a text message or an email kind of thing. Oh, they got like a, they're like a red phone? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and they, I, just, I feel like that's like just not, I'm not concerned with that. Wow, they have a a special email address they can send it to or something, whatever. Yeah, I think that's a level of access that um, that comes with power that is expected, but also mm. that I don't like. Anyways, they asked for it to be censored. It got censored, and that's bad. But uh, th- I think that the more interesting thing about this is that everyone, most people are like, not most people, there's a large faction of people who are saying this is bad. The government, or not even the government, a quasi-governmental entity should not have the power to just walk up to uh, to coordinate with the entire media apparatus to suppress a story that they find embarrassing. And uh, then there's other people who say, what's the big deal? It's a few dick pics. And honestly, they, they should have been suppressed. And uh, it wasn't even anyone acting in their official government capacity, so it's not uh, censorship. And I, you know... I personally am on the side of I don't like that this happened and that uh, this power exists, but I guess other people aren't. What do you guys feel about this? I mean, the only part of this that I think is at all like uh, untoward is that Twitter and Facebook actually suppressed the story. Yeah. Uh, Now, they only did it for like a day and it didn't work at all. Right. Which is which is nice. (laughs) I'm glad that happened. Um but like you know, the government calling up social media to be like, "Hey, don't let this story out." Like, of course, that's what governments do. So I I agree with you, and I say of course. But like, when you find out about death squads running around in Central America, you can say, "Yeah, of course, that's what governments do." Because yes, that is true, and everyone has to acknowledge it. But you can still be pretty pissed off about it, right? But this wasn't—I'm saying this wasn't the government doing anything. This was just them asking Twitter to do something. And in a functioning society, Twitter would have been like. Uh, fuck off. You know, sure. so this is really on Twitter. This is not on the government. My feeling is, do you know you can just not pay attention to Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but this is more about censorship of media for to avoid political embarrassment. Yeah, I think, I think this I is mean, a thing yeah, that actually that's, matters. Like, it's not fantastic, but, like, you can just not care about Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, David. <laughs> But I think you should care. You can just go outside. <laughs> I think you should care if Twitter and Facebook are both coordinating to like suppress 
a political story because it's damaging to the party they like. You can just not care about the election, too, if you want. And many people yes. do take that tactic. Correct. You're not going to convince David with that. Yeah, I know. He's just yes-chatting this whole thing. Damn it. Um, but yes, I, I think this is, uh, if you care about elections, um, you should probably care about this story. But the good, the good thing is, you know, Twitter, part of this is they released the internal emails at Twitter... And and they spent the entire twenty four hours that it was they it was actually censored hand wringing about it, being like, Oh god, did we do the right thing? I don't know, and debating it, and then they un uncensored it. Yeah. The really good thing is that you, the listener, are already getting your news from a much more reliable source than social media. Indeed. Yes. So you will always be informed, no matter what Twitter or Facebook decides to suppress. And we certainly don't get half of our content from social media. Yeah. And if you're a real Chad, you can listen to us while you're outside. That's true. You could be touching grass right now. I hope they are. All right. Um, I'm actually like, I feel like... Twitter probably won't try this again because of the reaction to it. Also because, you know, the people who did this are no longer in ownership of the company. Oh, that's true, yeah. yeah. It's, it's Elon's Twitter now, so definitely not. Uh, but I don't think Facebook will do it either. That's good. In which case, the Twitter files were good because it made people not want to do this as much? I mean, I don't think... I, I really just feel like there's nothing new in these files. Okay. We already knew all of this. Yeah. And, like, the backlash already happened. It's true. Trying to get a double backlash effect. It sounds like cheating. <laughs> it is cheating. Okay. All right. Next story. Inflation is down. Um, spe- specifically, core inflation is down to 2.7%. Um, now, if that doesn't match the numbers you've been hearing, it's because core inflation leaves out food and energy. Which yeah, are, God knows those aren't important. Yeah, right? Um, but Wes, those are super really volatile. Wes, you really need to stop reading Kevin Drum. He is no. not good for you. <laughs> yes, he is. I feel like you're bad for me, and Kevin Drum's good for me. Well, of course, Kevin Drum tells you that. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't the Kevin? The, yeah, the Federal Reserve just raised interest rates again by uh, by point seven five percent. Yeah, and okay. they're then they're going to keep doing it because they use stupid numbers and they're stupid. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. That's what we were going with. Yes. Um. So core inflation. Is it 2.7%, um, which is the month-over-month month number, um, which shows you happen, which, which, which is like the one that tells you what's happening since last month. And it just seems to me like the whole inflation problem is as good. I won't say it's solved because food and energy are a thing, but they're also <laughs> not a thing that the Fed really has much control over. Um, those are much more just basic supply and demand, and right now, energy costs a lot because supply is low. Does the fact that the Fed doesn't have control over it mean we're not worried about it? No, but it means the Fed should stop raising interest rates. Oh, okay. Um, because it's not going to help, and it's just going to crash the economy, which is going to make everything worse. Right, right, okay, I could get behind that. And their rate increases, like, their rate increases are super laggy. They're not going to take... You're not going to see the effects of that in the economy for, like, another 12 months or so. Mm-hmm. And by then, um, headline inflation will probably be down, and it'll just crash the economy because all everyone will have spent all the money they saved up during COVID, and that's what's driving inflation in the first place. Uh, and 
then the economy will just suck for no reason because the Fed is dumb and they just want to look like they're doing something. Yeah, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's all COVID spending and nothing at all to do with the massive quantities of money that the government is vomiting into the economy. No, that's what I mean. It's not the the it's the money that people have from all the COVID stuff like that the government gave everybody. They're still spending that down. Uh, the government is still spe- is still vomiting fairly unfathomable amounts of money into the economy. I think it's I mean, stopped. but that's always been the case. Um, okay, well, we're not going to resolve this long-running dispute between the two of <laughs> us in this episode, so I vote we move on. All right. We'll do what David was wrong a year from now. Uh, I was just wondering if you guys have been spending your um, money you've saved up over the past few years. Oh, well, no. I'm trying to, but the <laughs> fuck it, that I'm getting into that in my troop deployment. I will talk about it later. All right. No, I haven't. It's all sitting in my investments, cool. which are significantly less than they were at the beginning of this year. Yeah. But that's life. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you pick the, the, the risky option. Right. Yeah. By the way, sorry. Mm-hmm. While we're talking about investments, uh, Inyash, do you have money in Google? Because uh, if you're really worried about AI, it seems like uh, being a shareholder in the company that's quite likely to build the AI isn't a bad idea. So I've got money in Vanguard 500, which does have money in Google. In direct stock, I have some in uh, NVIDIA, and I am thinking about buying Google. I'm not sure because Google is already so highly priced, but it's probably, I don't know. I- I'm-, I'm torn on whether I should do Google. Note to listeners, this is not investment advice. And also, if it was investment advice, it would be bad investment advice because it's not just buy index funds. Right. Although that is good at investment advice. <laughs> which we're not giving. No, I mean... Not. I mean, if I were in the mood to give investment advice, which I'm not, uh, I would say consider a barbell strategy, but anyway, this is not investment advice. Next story is Eniash complaining about Wikipedia or complaining about lawyers. I'm not sure which. Uh, I don't know. I'm not really complaining about anything. I'm just reporting on things, I guess. Oh, well, uh, the view from nowhere. Here it comes. Uh, well, whether you are happy with this thing or unhappy with it is entirely up to you, I guess. All right, uh, what's the story? The story is Wikipedia influences the law, which I think is just common sense if you think about it. Uh, in quick summary, in an experiment in Ireland, a random set of cases were given detailed Wikipedia articles written by law students. The cases that were added became 25% more cited in actual legal opinions by judges than they had been before. Uh, all of this seems completely, you know, like just a thing that I would expect, and I'd be very surprised if it didn't happen. Um, but also not a thing I'd really thought about before, so wanted to point it out. Um, I I um, dispute that this is actually Wikipedia influencing the law. This seems to be like Wikipedia just influencing which cases get cited. Yes. But if one thing about the law is that for any particular legal proposition, there's probably like 50 cases you could cite. So it makes sense uh, to me that if people are going to Wikipedia to like get the like basic idea of what an, wh- what the major cases in an area of law are, um, and they find those, then they just cite those. That seems totally reasonable. Um, you know, they they probably the ones actually cited probably themselves cite like the same five historical cases, and there's like fifty other cases that cite those five cases, and it's just 
you could you can pick which one you wanna you wanna cite. Like it doesn't really matter most of the time. Okay, that makes total um, sense. So I think that's just what's happening is people are going to Wikipedia to say like I'm not familiar with this area of law. What are the major cases? Looking those up, you know, they cite all the other actual actual major cases, um, and then they just cite that one because it's easy because it's the first one they looked up. Yeah, they've already basically made up their opinion. They're looking for justification. They find something on Wikipedia and they. Well, cite I don't it. know if they've made up their opinion, but I'm saying these cases probably accurately cite the law. Yeah, they have like they they say what the law is, um, just like all the. It's just like a bunch of other cases do. So there's no reason not to use that one. This is but the actual only- law, like the actual decision that's getting made, I think would probably come out the same either way. Because it's just they're just they're just finding out what the principles of law are that need to be applied. But if somebody what we've got to do is post Wikipedia articles about cases that we made up. And yes. then see if those start getting into decisions. Yeah, or like weird outlier cases that like don't follow the same rules. As the the normal cases, and see if those get cited. Or that you could even like say the wrong thing if you are a cabal of Wikipedia editors. They and you want to influence the law, you could uh, just say that the case is the opposite of what it actually said, right? Not that you, could do you that. would do that, but in theory. Yeah. Now I imagine what's happening here are people are looking at Wikipedia, getting the name of the case, and then going and looking up that case somewhere else. Okay. Hmm. Um. Mostly because you kind of have to do that to get the citation proper. <laughs> you know, you say that, but how many times have people just cited Wikipedia or used the Wikipedia citation and trusted it without actually looking it up? Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm sure that happens. I think that's too. about 90% of cases. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You, but when you you're were in college once, right? Yeah, but see, here's the thing about the law yeah. is lawyers tend to bill their time hourly, mm-hmm. so they actually tend to not cut that many corners. Because you could be like, oh, well, I had to research for three hours. So I had to bill you for three hours. Do you think they actually researched during those three hours? I think they researched for two and a half hours. <laughs> okay. Uh, not me, though. My billing is always completely accurate. Well, of course. Uh, how dare because anyone suggest otherwise? I'm, yeah. And I, uh, well, because I, mostly because I don't have uh, billing, billing. Uh, uh, billable hour requirements like lawyers and uh, big law firms do. Ah, and I still have my COVID money, so you know, no need yeah. to no need to cheat people, right? Uh, anyway, I don't think that's a big deal, but it'd be interesting to to tweak it a little bit and see what happens. Yeah. All right, and speaking of lawyers and the law, our next story is kind of a a a, a weird story. Where a former anti-abortion leader claims that Justice Alito leaked the Hobby Lobby decision. Um, now, this is not the abortion case. That was Dobbs. And that's the one where the actual text was leaked. But this guy claims that, you know, he was like a kind of a bigwig in anti-abortion circles. And he had like a buddy that went and had dinner with Justice Alito and then came back from that dinner being and was like, hey, man, Justice Alito told me that, uh, you know, the plaintiffs won the Hobby Lobby decision um, and that he's going to be writing the opinion. So this gave them a bunch of time to, like, prepare their response to it. So they had everything ready when the opinion came out um, just for, like, PR and, you know, getting their their press releases written and everything. Is this a thing that could get him, I don't know, do you impeach justices? You can impeach justices. They definitely will not impeach Justice Alito, no matter what he does. Oh, why? 
because he's a Supreme Court justice, and if they remove him, Joe Biden gets to name the new one. Oh, okay, right. And they would need 60% of Republicans to get on board with this. Well, yeah, they need a few Republicans. Um, They will get zero Republicans. Yes. So he's definitely not getting impeached. He could come out and admit that he did this, and he would definitely not get impeached. I mean, he could shoot someone on Fifth Street. (laughs) Pretty much. He'd probably get impeached, like, shortly after Donald Trump wins re-election in 2024, but... Ooh, are you coming out saying that you think Donald Trump's going to win? I think that uh, whoever the Republicans put up is probably going to win. I'm not sure I want to bet on Donald Trump's heart lasting until then, though. If he's still alive at the time, do you think he'd be the one that gets the nom? Uh... I'm going to go with yes, but that's like a 55% maybe. Okay. Yeah, I think Donald Trump wins with like 30 to 40% of the actual primary vote again. I think the Republicans are going to be more well organized this time to stop him from taking a position. Ha! ha. Yeah. Well, you, oh, you, good you Lord. believe that. DeSantis is trading at 41 cents and Trump at 30. It's true. For the, uh, the prediction nomination. markets think DeSantis is more likely. The establishment actually likes DeSantis. If I could bet real money on those, I would go uh, buy Trump. Um, all right. The uh, important part of the story is Alito denies this, as you would expect. Um, and says, no, no, this guy's crazy. Um, he's also He also came out with this because he like had a change of heart about the whole anti-abortion thing. And is now like... Um, he's not really pro-abortion, but he's, like, out of that movement and is like, man, those people are toxic and you shouldn't listen to them. So he's been, like, you know, on the outs with that whole community. Um, so who knows, uh, if, if he's telling the truth, but it does, you know, if, if that is true, it kind of, it, it, it puts the, uh, the Dobbs leak in a, in a certain light, I would think. Ooh. That, like, maybe this is, you know, if, if conservatives... Uh, or Alito specifically tends to be a little loose-lipped with these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know because there's a big difference between saying like, "Oh yeah, here's who won," and like leaking the text of the opinion. Right. Yeah. It's hard. So, it's hard to get someone so drunk over dinner that they leak yeah. an entire ass opinion <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that they're like copying stuff onto a thumb drive for you. You would. That would, You'd have to be. You know. Drunk enough to do it, but not too drunk to work the computer. And you know, yeah. and Alito's like an old man, so you know he after like three drinks, he's like, I don't know how any of this works. <laughs> All right, this takes us to happy news. Good news, everyone. Yay. And as usual, all the happy news is from Eniash. All right. A woman with a concealed carry license in Chicago had her car attempted to, to be carjacked. Yeah! And she shot the, the one of the guys, uh, and they all ran off. Uh, later, a man was found with a different car that looked to be carjacked, dead inside with a bullet wound right where she shot him. So, uh, yeah, it looks like, looks like he, he got taken out. The other three ran away. The lady got shot in the arm and was taken to the hospital, but she is now mostly fine. You know, modulo a gunshot wound to Wait, the Wait, so this dude tried to carjack a lady, got mm-hmm. shot, mm-hmm. and then he went and carjacked a different car? Got shot in the head. Shot in the head, yeah. Uh, is this... Is this GTA? <laughs> I think maybe he needed a car to get to a hospital or something. Like, you're not going to not carjack a car when you got to get to the hospital, right? 
you could just call an ambulance. Mm. They go right to the hospital. Maybe They'll come the pick bullet, you up. Maybe the bullet wound went into the part of the brain that uh, remembers about ambulances. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think carjackers probably just don't call the cops ever, so. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, you know, it'll get better. All right, but good on her for, uh, like, yeah. you know, fight, fighting off the, the bad guys. Seriously, anyone who's willing to put their life at jeopardy to do that kind of thing is a fucking hero. Also surprising that she was able to actually get a concealed carry license in Illinois. Yeah, well, I'm, I don't know. I don't know anything about Illinois laws. It, it's a blue state, so I assume they're fascist. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right, next story. Uh, they've developed a new multivariant mRNA vaccine, which appears to be effective against all known influenza virus subtypes. Wait, what? Meaning, meaning we may finally have a cure for the common cold as first predicted in Star Trek Next Generation. Is the cold an influenza subtype? No, Isn't it's a it? coronavirus. Wait a minute. This just means we get a universal influenza vaccine. We don't need to play uh, flu vaccine roulette every flu season. That's a huge deal Which is a big fucking deal. It's just a different fucking deal from the common cold. Wait, you're telling me I have spent 42 years of my life thinking that the common cold was an influenza virus and being wrong and no one told me? You thought that when you were born? (laughs) <laughs> yes, I did. I, so you're I a heard. very advanced child. <laughs> That's why they put me in the gifted program. Sorry, do you not remember that particularly annoying part of the early COVID discourse where people were dismissing it as, quote, just like the common cold, unquote, because they were both coronaviruses? I remember them dismissing it as just basically a bad flu. I I totally missed the thing where where people were saying that it was because they were both coronaviruses. I definitely heard the, like, it's just a bad fl- cold kind of thing, but yeah. that was just about the symptoms. Well, uh, But yeah, the current flu shot, you know, they, it gets to, like, a different amount of the, the flu viruses out there every year because they're constantly changing mm-hmm. and mutating. But usually it's, like, less than half. So if we could get one that's actually, like, 100%, that would be huge. Yeah. We just, we just wouldn't have the flu anymore. Which is good, because, you know, we have COVID's the new flu. Right. We got to get rid of... We can only have one flu at a time, really. Right. Get us back to equilibrium. Yeah. All right. Uh, Next story. (laughs) The Japanese fans are fucking adorable and amazing. Uh, During the World Cup, after every game uh, with Japan, the Japan's team, uh, all the Japanese fans, they had these little bags that they carried with them, uh, and they would pick up all their litter and leave the the stands sparkling uh, afterwards. And I heard that even the Japanese... um, uh, soccer team itself, or football team, if you prefer, itself uh, left their locker room sparkling as well. Like, they couldn't tell that anyone had been in there. So that that's just awesome. Another thing that we wish to encourage and admire in society. First comes self-defense, second comes cleanliness. That is great. I just... I, I, this always strikes me as a little bit creepy. Hmm? Because it's like, this is super pro-social behavior, and it'd be great if everybody did it, but it's like, how hard do you have to hit a kid to, to instill this, like, level of civic responsibility in them? You don't have to hit him at all if everybody does it. Uh, I don't it know, It is man. a little bit Stepford Wisey. Right? No, it's not. It's just what you do if that is what you have been brought up to do. I don't know, man. But, yeah, this, this, this in isolation, great. It is great. <laughs> it is great that people do that. Yes, it is. All right. Uh, next story. Batteries. Batteries are great because we need them because we get a lot of power when the wind is blowing and the sun is shining, but not so much when it isn't. And eh, those... we get some power when the All wind right, is David, blowing. All right, David, we've heard your we've heard your uh, speech before. 
Under the current uh, regime, uh, where we are not allowed to make nuclear power, that is what happens. Uh, so we need batteries, and one of the most common types of batteries that are proposed are gravity-style batteries, where you use the extra electricity to lift something heavy up, and then when you need electricity, you let that heavy thing go down and spin a turbine as it's going down to <laughs> yeah, make Yeah, if you want to use up all the gravity. <laughs> right? Oh, man. It's going to be great when AI discovers how to turn off gravity just in small areas and can, you know, individually fling people out into space by turning off the gravity underneath them. I know a few I could start with. <laughs> uh, the There's a 900 megawatt water battery in Switzerland now that starts or debuts next week. I guess that's when they turn it on. I don't know exactly what that debut means. Uh, but they are just... They have a place in the mountains in Switzerland where they save up a lot of water and they pump that water up with extra electricity that they have. And then when they need more, they let it go down and spin the turbines. Uh, it can apparently hold more than two... 20, rather, 20 million kilowatt hours of power, and this is a great thing which we will need more of. Is uh, 20 million kilowatt hours a lot? I, I'm going to go with yes. But yeah, I've heard, of, I've heard all about this. This is a great thing to do in places with mountains. Yeah. You just, you just have a reservoir up at the top of the mountain. You, the, you do hydroelectric power when you need it, and then when you have extra power, you pump the, the water back up to the top. It's great. The gigawatt hour is like country scale uh, energy, and that is uh, 20 gigawatt hours. So this is quite a lot. Ooh, all right. Yeah, I, I agree. Pumped hydro is a really good way to store energy. Um, I just wish they were using it to store energy from nuclear power plants instead of renewables. So you said a million kilowatts is a gigawatt? Yeah. That means we could send back 16 DeLoreans 30 years into the past using that dam. I was just going to say the same thing. More importantly, <laughs> sending the DeLorean back into the past takes about as much uh, energy as, um, as I want to say, France consumes in a year. You know, I would expect, uh, I would expect a, lot of, a lot of power being needed to move things through time. Yeah. Yeah, but... It would be worth it if we could go back in time and prevent the nuclear plants from melting down so nobody yeah. gets scared about nuclear. Absolutely. And that's assuming that a gigawatt and a gigawatt are the same thing. Of course. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Everyone just kind of assumes he mispronounced it, but uh, yeah, maybe it's some sci-fi unit that means something else. Could be. <coughs> All right, next story. Next story. Car T-cells, C-A-R uh, T-cells, are a thing that are, they're immune cells that have been genetically engineered. They are called T-cells. I'm not sure what the T stands for. Probably some foreign word that means genetically engineered. Uh, <laughs> or maybe they just look like T's. Everyone has T-cells, though. Oh, you're right. right? They do. Yeah. Which are called that because they look like T's. Yeah. yeah. So car T-cells would then be the uh, genetically yeah. modified T-cells. All right. What do they do? Well, they attack other things in your body, but the CAR T-cells specifically attack things that your body normally doesn't attack, uh, like cancer cells, which is what they originally were used for 10 years ago, and they have helped revolutionize cancer treatment in the last decade. Now they are being used to attack uh, defective B-cells, which are the things that cause lupus. They, these things will attack your own body when they're not supposed to. Anyways, these T-cells are made to attack these B-cells, and it works. The, the B-cell... Defective B-cells sounds like a thing you would call your internet outgroup. Yeah, it does. Bunch of fucking defective B-cells <laughs> over here. 
Uh, it, it worked to suppress lupus in the trial patients, and uh, looks like it could work for several other autoimmune diseases that work on the same uh, on the same mechanism. So yeah, we're getting closer to fixing autoimmune diseases. That's pretty sweet. Lupus yeah. fucking sucks. I I guess... have heard that. Yeah, I've known people with lupus, and it's just like they're in pain all the time. Oh, that is awful. Yeah. Um, so if, if there's anything that can do anything for that, it's great news. Yeah. All right. All right. And you have astoundingly one more happy yes. news story for us. Finally, an awesome robot news. There awesome is- robot news. It's the second best kind of news. There's a new farm robot that can specifically target individual weeds and crops <clears throat> as it is being pulled over them. This is an awesome picture of like a tractor with this, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like a long, wide plow-looking thing like they used back in the day, but with a plastic cover and looks kind of futury and sci-fi-y. Anyways, uh, as it's going over these crops... So, what it looks like is it looks like one of those big row-cropping machines fucked RoboCop. Yeah! That's a good... (laughs) That's a very good explanation. Uh, They can uh, assess... Uh, the things that they are going over and target individual weeds and crops and identify which ones they are and then blast them with either a de-weeder or a fertilizer within a millimeter of accuracy. It can identify and treat 500,000 plants per hour while using 95% less chemical weed killer. Uh, and while it's going, it's actually making a detailed map of the entire crop that it is working over. It's it's a fantastic new machine. And, you know, it's run on AI. So this is one of the things that will make life amazing, assuming we survive. That's pretty sweet. I'm usually not yeah. on board with the, uh, you know, chemicals are bad people. Hmm. But, you know, if there's less weed killer in my vegetables, I'd be I'd be okay with that. Plus 95% less uh, expense on weed killer. Yeah. Also that. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts to send out a soldier onto the battlefield every episode. And we'll start with David. Yeah. So as I almost got into previously, I am currently trying to move. I say trying to because the property managers for the place I'm trying to move into are being extremely annoying, and I don't know exactly why they're choosing to be so annoying, but I am diligently trying to give them money, and they are not letting me give them my money, and it always annoys me whenever people don't do that. I choose to blame the eviction moratorium because the alternative is just, like, not having some way to blame this on the government, and that (laughs) is unacceptable to me. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, We all said that the eviction moratorium was bad because, like, as long as you had people trying to move to new places, landlords would be super sketched out at that and very hesitant to rent to them, and that is consistent with my experience, and I am not happy I got that one right. All right, thank you, David. Eniash, what do you have? Uh, I have that people are suing the wrong people. There was a, there was, is, there is a 32-year-old woman who is trying to sue some doctors for giving her the surgery that she requested. Uh, This was two years ago that she had the surgery, and I think at 30 years old, Basically, everyone should be allowed to decide what they do with their body. Uh, If they want to 
have a profession you don't approve of with their body, that's fine. If they want to get an abortion, that's fine. If they want to put drugs in their body, that's fine. If they just want to stay at home and pray to Jesus with their body, like, it's your fucking body. You can do whatever you want with it. Uh, And one of the things that really annoys me is when I have to go to a doctor because I know that I need a certain medicine, but I can't get it until the doctor approves it for me. Uh, And just having to game doctors like that is very annoying. Uh, in, in, In specific, my partner right now is on Adderall. And by on Adderall, I don't mean that she just needs it to get through a very high concentration job where she needs to super focus for 12 hours. Uh, I mean, she's on a daily dose. And, uh, and... It is hard to get that because of all the restrictions that are placed on what drugs you can get by the government. Because apparently adults just can't make their own decisions with their bodies. And uh, this lady suing doctors for giving her the surgery she requested is part of the problem. If you are an adult and you made a decision, don't sue the people who gave you exactly what you wanted. Uh, If you really want to sue someone, if she wants to sue someone, she should sue the people that convinced her that a double mastectomy was the cure to her ills. And also maybe the people who censored uh, those people on the internet that tried to say things like, you know, maybe this is not a good cure to all your ills and uh, some people are going to regret this stuff. But don't go after the fucking doctors, man. They just did what you wanted. Um, so that's that, that's my thing. Everybody gets to choose what they do with their body and if they're upset by the results, they don't start yelling at the government to destroy everybody's freedom and choices because you didn't look deep enough into what you were going to do. All right. Thank you. Don't sue people, Panda. You're welcome. My troop deployment this episode is to leave James Webb alone. Uh, Last year, a bunch of woke astronomers put together a protest about the James Webb telescope. James Webb, they claimed, was a big homophobe who was in charge of NASA during the 50s and 60s while they were kicking out tons of gay people. Recently, NASA finished their investigation into it and found no evidence that Webb either supported or resisted any firings of gay people and declined to rename the telescope. Now a handful of keyboard warriors are upset. On its face, this is just the latest misguided attempt by social justice warriors to cancel historical figures for holding attitudes that 90% of people in society at that time held. Normally, I wouldn't comment on something like this, but I wanted to highlight it because James Webb was actually kind of awesome in a way that progressives really ought to appreciate. Other people have pointed out how he had nothing to do with the one guy at NASA who was fired for being gay, or that he actually seems to have supported racial equality. But what I haven't heard anyone mention is that James Webb was also a supporter of gender equality. In the 1960s, a group of women who became known as the Mercury 13 were given testing and training to be considered for the astronaut program. Eventually, the program was shut down by Congress, but Webb was a big supporter and helped coordinate the testing with NASA's doctor. He named Jerry Cobb, who was the leader of the program, as a consultant to NASA and by all accounts supported the program until Kennedy ordered him to redirect all resources to the moon landing. Now, there was probably more he could have done, but compared to the rest of the people involved in the story, Webb was one of the least sexist, most supportive figures. So people, leave James Webb alone. He was a cool dude, and it's nice that he has a telescope named after him. Go cancel somebody else. Or, you know, don't go cancel someone else and just stop. <laughs> that You could do that, too, but... You know, let's, I, let's I understand that's a stretch goal, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's our show for this week. Please follow us wherever you follow podcasts. Uh, please leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. And subscribe on our Substack. You'll get episodes early. Um, usually it's about you know a day early, maybe like 12 to 16 hours or so, whenever I get around to editing it. But you get it as soon as it's edited, and everyone else has to wait. 
Um, you get access to our bonus episodes instead of just the little snippets that you freeloaders get. And you'll be able to get access to our subscriber-only Discord channel. So you can come tell us uh, all the things we did wrong without, without any uh, freeloaders getting in on the conversation. <laughs> uh, so come back in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye. <laughs>